You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Good morning. Well, Resurrection Sunday. Come on. Jesus dies on the cross for our sin so that we don't go to hell and all we go is, whoa. It's Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, come on, come on. That's right. Man, this is, hey, let me just say this, right? I know that Easter's, uh, Christmas gets a big thing, right? But let me say this. Uh, this day actually is the most important day in the Christian calendar. Uh, this is the most powerful day in the history of the world, actually, I think. Uh, the day that Jesus uh, defeats death and comes back alive, right? This is the greatest day that the world has ever seen. Right now, today, 2,000 plus years ago, uh, this day is the greatest moment in the history of the world because of one thing. Here it is, the empty tomb. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise this morning. The empty tomb. It's the greatest day in human history. The empty tomb, God raising Jesus, the Father raising the Son back to life. And so this morning, I want to unpack a story in Scripture um, regarding this, and then I want to sh- what I want to land on is I want to show you uh, what an empty tomb means for you and what an empty tomb means for me. There's power in the empty tomb, and I praise God that there's an empty tomb because let me say this: without the resurrection, Jesus was just another religious figure, right? But what the resurrection proves was thousands of years of prophecy in the Old Testament, and the resurrection proves Jesus's claim that he would die that he would rise again on the third day, and that he would uh, be our justification, that he would be our redemption, that he would be our connection to God the Father. And so I want to show you this morning uh, why our lives, why your life is better because the tomb was empty. You know, two days ago, uh, we heard uh, Pastor Jonathan give a great message. Uh, how good was Pastor Jonathan on Friday, for those who were here? Man, I'm loving this guy. Loving his growth and, and his leadership. Him and Dean are doing a great job. And uh, if you've got young people, uh, send them to youth group, right? Because these are good leaders to get under. And uh, Jonathan preached a great message on, it's only Friday. And uh, in Friday, uh, uh, there are problems, right? And Jesus had a problem on the cross. There was a problem that Jesus had. But, you know, uh, uh, that problem had a purpose. And uh, that purpose was leading to a promise. What was the promise? Well, the promise was the resurrection. The promise was, uh, was God reaching down to creation and, and uh, actually coming down to creation and connecting himself to it. Jesus was on the cross on the Friday. He's taken off the cross on the Friday and he's put into a tomb. And then three days later, we read this story in Luke 24, verses 1 to 8. Then we're going to read 13 to 15. It says this. You can read behind me. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. Everyone say tomb. And the women, they were taking spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who was alive? He isn't here. 
He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be portrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they, the women, then they remembered that yes, Jesus had actually said that. Verse 13. That same day, Sunday, the same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Everything. Everything. Old Testament prophecy. Jesus. Miracles. Crucifixion. Resurrection. An empty tomb. They were discussing, they were talking and discussing these things. Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. This morning, I want to preach to a thought called walking empty. Walking empty. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that as we read and unpack your, your word this morning, that you would speak to us, that you would inspire us. Lord, I pray that we would walk out here empty this morning, just as the tomb was empty. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us up uh, with your presence and with your power. In Jesus' name, I'm praying, Lord, for a resurrection for every single person here today. That, Lord, that as we identify in your death and in your burial, Lord, I'm praying right now that we would identify in your resurrection power today. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen, amen and amen. But before we get to the end where I want to make sense of what walking empty means, I want to talk about four things first. The four things I want to talk about is, I want to talk about spices, stones, remembering, and walking. They're the four things that I want to talk about first. Spices, stones, reminders, and walking. Who here likes spicy food? I love spicy food. I think spices uh, did fall down from heaven. Um, I think I'm an Indian in a white man's body. Okay, I love, I love my Indian food, I love my Sri Lankan curries, I love my hot uh, northern and southern Indian curries, I love spices. And so when reading the scripture, uh, this stuck out to me, because I'm a spicy man. And my wife said, <laughs> you're a bit slow on that one this morning, it's all right. <laughs> I love spices, and so this got my attention. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. What's the go there? Why are the girls taking curry to a gravesite? Right? What are they doing with these spices? So I got my attention. So I had to go and find out why they're taking spices. Why did they take these things to the gravesite? To understand why, there was two customs that I want to just bring to your attention. The first custom was this, that when a loved one passed away in this ancient culture, you had to bury them on the same day. In Jewish culture, when someone died, when they passed away, you buried them on the same day. You would uh, prepare their body, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, you would take them to the tomb. You would all be in the tomb, and you would mourn, and that's what would happen. The conundrum that we have with Jesus is this, that Jesus passed away on a late Friday. Now, Sabbath starts when the sun goes down on Friday and goes all day Saturday, and then finishes when the sun goes down on Saturday. So the problem with Jesus and his death was this that there was no time to bury Jesus on the Friday. So by custom, what had to happen was this. We'll bring Jesus off the cross, which because he was dead. There's no point leaving a dead person on a, on a cross. So they brought Jesus off the cross. What was supposed to happen was then they'll put Jesus in the tomb. The tomb would be open Friday. It would stay open Saturday. And then on Sunday, that's when they would go into the tomb and they would bury Jesus. So there was a problem 
with the timing of Jesus' death that they weren't going to be able to bury Jesus until the Sunday. Now, we're going to come back to that just in a moment. The second custom was that when you buried someone, you took spices with you, all these different kinds of spices, for two reasons. Number one, the first reason was that the ancient Jews believed that sin lived in your flesh, right? So everyone touch yourself, right? Touch your arm, right? They believed that sin lived in the flesh. You know, now we say, you know, we would say things like sin is in the heart of mankind. You know, sin, sin is in, in the mind. Um, you know, uh, uh, sin is, is in the heart. What comes out of a man, that's what makes uh, a person sin, right? Those kind of things. But the Jews believed that sin was in the flesh. And so what they would do is on day of burial, they would bring all these spices and they would wrap these spices up around you. And what that did with that is that would quicken the decay of the flesh. And they believed this. They believed that once flesh was off your bones, you're then set free from sin, right? And so when either you're resurrected with the Messiah, you know, or, or, or you're, you know, you're in another place, uh, wherever that might be until that resurrection, uh, you were then sin-free. Once the flesh has decayed off you, you're sin-free. If you still got flesh on you, you're still sinful. It's why throughout the whole Bible, we hear things like, you know, uh, uh, run away from fleshly desires. You know, uh, Paul says uh, the fruits of the flesh are things like uh, anger and, and, and lust and adultery and, and jealousy and all those things. Paul and, and all the Bible uses that term flesh because they thought that sin was in the flesh. And so you would take spices to the gravesite and you would cover the body in spices to decay the flesh. The second reason why you took spices was, have you ever been on a highway driving before and you drive past a one-week-old dead kangaroo? And have you ever smelt the stench outside? <laughs> Anyone? Just me. Okay, okay, here we go. We've got honest people now, right? It stinks, doesn't it? You know, and usually you'll blame someone in the car first and make everyone chuckle and laugh. Who was that, right? And, and anyway, in ancient gravesites, they weren't like ours, where you would bury people, you know, meters down under the ground, or cremation is what we tend to do here. Most burial sites were places um, where there were either man-made caves or, or, or uh, natural crevices that then you would dig into, and they would become little caves, little tombs. That's where most grave sites were. They were in crevices or caves. And so who knows that when you've got lots of bodies in crevices and in caves, who knows, that place is going to smell a little bit, right? And so what you would do is you'd bring all these spices to quicken the decay of the flesh, but also to mask the stench around you in the atmosphere. That's why you would bring spices. That's why the girls were bringing spices uh, to the grave site, because it was a custom that they did. You know, I think that sometimes we live with the same custom in our own life, right? Now, we're not dead, we're living but I think sometimes we live with that kind of custom where we create spices in our life to try and mask things of decay that are in our life. We have spices like blame, where we blame other people, you know, for the things that I do. <laughs> it was your fault. You're the reason why I got angry. You know, we, we justify ourselves, you know, uh, something happens and, and, and we justify why we did what we did. And we create all these spices in our life. Justification, 
and, and blame, right? And, 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 and we try and reason our way through what we're doing, but we're just all we're doing is just masking the smell, aren't we? We're just masking our own uh, 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 fallen reaction. We justify ourselves with excuses to make ourselves really more palatable, not to other people, but to ourselves. We do it so that we can live with ourselves, right? We do it so that we can uh, uh, live with the things in our life that, uh, that we know smell a bit. They're a bit stinky. They're a bit dead. You know, we get... Uh, get angry and then we justify ourselves. Well, if they, haven't, if they hadn't have done that or you know, it wouldn't have happened if, if this never happened. You know, if you didn't do this, then I wouldn't have done that. You know, if you never said this, then I wouldn't have done that. And we justify ourselves. Um, before uh, Coles Online was a thing, before pick up your shop at, b- b- before you could go to Woolworths and they would bring your shopping out to your car for you. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, you went shopping on Thursday night. Who remembers that, right? That's what you had to do. You worked all day, and so Thursday night was shopping night. You took it the whole family, and it was a family event. In fact, you were bound to meet your best friends shopping, right? right? That was the social thing to do. Mum and dad are shopping, and we're all in Woolies. Let's hang out, right? That's what would happen. Anyway, so I'm the eldest of six boys, so my parents had six boys every Thursday night shopping, It was your own fault. <laughs> you should have bought a television, right? <laughs> Man, after you had the perfect one, I don't know why you went for more, but anyway. <laughs> My brother was playing on the drums this morning, just so you know as well. <laughs> I taught him everything I know. And so every Thursday night we'd go shopping, six boys, mum and dad, and every month uh, they would buy us this, this little magazine, uh, I don't know if you remember, but Disney used to have this little magazine that they would print out every, every month, you know, for the kids, and inside the magazine was this collector's trading card, a Disney trading card, can we get the, can we get the photos up, first one, here we go, these things here, and uh, who remembers these, right, and we would collect these as kids, they would be in the middle of the, of the Disney book every month, and I remember one time with, uh, mum and dad were shopping, and, uh, but they wouldn't buy us the book. That's when you go, oh, right. <laughs> they wouldn't buy us the book, right? And we were a little bit annoyed. And, you know, we looked and in the inside was the card that we didn't have. We didn't have that particular card. And so it's like, oh, man, we're not going to, we're going to miss out on this card. That's the card. Put the book back and walk away. But me, you know, being, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, maybe a naughty boy, I guess. <laughs> Using my brain, I guess, I went and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to take the book, but I'll take the card. So I went to the book, opened the book up halfway where it was, took the card out, put it in my pocket, closed the book, and put the book back. Right? So I wasn't stealing anything, I was just taking the card out, put the book back. Put the book back, walked away. I threw the checkout, fine, got home, great, no one knew, I didn't steal anything, the book was still there. I got home, and I said, boys, boys, check this out. I pulled the card out, I said, look, we got the card. Now, my brother's being... Little angel turds <laughs> dobbed me in, right? And uh, don't yay that, right? <laughs> they dobbed me in. And so who comes marching into my room demanding the card? My dad. Where'd you get this from? Oh, and then here's the thing, right? 
I had some good spices. I had some good spices to mark, to mark the smell of my sin. I said, but dad, I didn't steal the book. So it's all right. It's all right. I didn't steal the book. The book's still there. I just got the card. The card, it just fell out, dad. I don't know. It just got there. So I just picked it up. Didn't know what book it was from. I put it in my pocket. I didn't know, dad. I didn't steal the book. But who knows that my dad looked and saw through my spices of justification, right? And now I'm a good boy, set straight. (laughs) Here's the point, right? Sin, no matter how big, is sin. And uh, my dad wasn't persuaded by my crafty response. He said, you stole the card, it's not yours. It's not your card, right? Uh, It's not yours to pick up. You need to know something this morning, that when you say yes to Jesus that when you say yes to the resurrected Jesus, that when you identify with Christ, our flesh becomes a new flesh. And we don't identify with our old flesh anymore, but we identify with our new flesh found in Christ. Meaning this, that every time we go to pick up something of the old flesh, it's not yours. It's not ours to pick up. And so when I identify in the humanity of Christ... I no longer am allowed to identify with my own sinful humanity of the flesh. And so if I have that desire to pick up a little bit of anger, I've got to leave it alone. Don't touch it. It's not yours. Let let it go. It's, it's, It's not yours, right? Maybe there's that desire to pick up a little bit of lust. Put it down. It's not yours, right? Put that down. Maybe pick up a little bit of jealousy. Maybe a little bit of worry or manipulation, right? Those things aren't ours anymore when we identify with Christ. Paul says this to the church in Galatia. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit. Everyone say walk. Got to walk empty. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There it is again, right? Sin. And we are walking with Jesus Right When we're walking in that power of the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to walk in the power of Christ, man, I don't need to go over here anymore. These things don't match up to that anymore. I'm living in a new flesh. And so the women were taking spices to the gravesite to make dead things smell nice. But when they got there, the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away. Let's talk about stones for a second. And let's go back to that first original Jewish custom that you had to bury your loved one on the same day that they passed away. Jesus was supposed to be, he died on Friday. He's supposed to be buried on Friday. The problem was that Jesus died on late Friday afternoon, meaning that they couldn't bury Jesus because it was about to be Sabbath and you can't work on Sabbath. This was a Jewish custom. You cannot work on Sabbath, right? And so they couldn't bury him Friday. That's work. They couldn't bury him Saturday. That's work. So they had to bury Jesus on Friday. The Sunday, that's what was supposed to happen. However, the tomb was closed. The tomb was supposed to stay open until Sunday, but the tomb was closed on Saturday. Check this out. Matthew 27 says this. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, sir, we remember that the deceiver, they're talking about Jesus here, once said that while he was still alive, after three days, that he will raise from the dead. He will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb, right? 
they put it on someone else, right? They're now using spices. They're passing blame. They're shifting judgment, right? Because right? Uh, they can't do it. So they get, let's get someone else to do it. Can you seal the tomb until the third day? This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone that he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than, where, than what we were at first. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best that you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. That's on the Saturday, right? That that happens, that they seal the tomb that was supposed to stay open, actually. I want to just bring your attention to this word sealed, in the very second word, bottom line. It's the word sfragizo, and it means this. It means stamp. It doesn't mean to seal up like, you know, put cling wrap over it. It means to put a stamp. What would happen when you would bury someone, you would close the tomb, and then you would put a stamp on it to say, someone's in here. You can't come in the tomb. Someone's in here, right? Unless you were using it, excuse me, unless you were using it again. The stamp on here that was put on here was the stamp of Pilate. Pilate, it says, sealed the tomb. He stamped the tomb. It means that Caesar's stamp was on the tomb. Now, here's a problem. If you break Caesar's seal without legal authority, without filling out all the right paperwork, you're going to get in trouble. What was the crime? The crime was insurrection. What was the punishment of insurrection? Crucifixion. That's why Jesus got crucified on the two guys. The two guys, you know, that they, that they call robbers, they weren't robbers, they were insurrectionists, right? They didn't steal bread, they were fighting against the Romans, right? That's why Jesus got crucified. If you broke the seal, then punishment was potential crucifixion. So the problem was that when the women are walking to the gravesite asking how we're going to get in, they're not asking, um, you know, how we're going to roll the stone away. You know, we read in children's books, right, in, in children's Bibles that the stone was this big, massive boulder, you know, covering this big entrance. Uh, that's not uh, what it was. It kind of looked like this, actually. Uh, this wasn't Jesus' tomb, but it, it would have been like this, where you've got this little cave or this man-made crevice, and you've got this uh, uh, wheel-looking uh, rock, and it's in a, a channel, so that channel drops down, right? And so there would be a, a chalk in there holding, that, uh, 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 holding the, 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 the stone up. What would happen is your loved one would pass away, you would uh, put them in here, you would, then the whole family would go in here, the whole family would go into the tomb, and you would mourn, and you would... Uh, uh, tell stories and, 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 and you would mourn the passing of your loved one all in the tomb. Then at the end of the day, you'd all come out, you would take the chalk out, the stone would just fall into place and then you would put the seal on it to say that somebody is in the tomb. That's what was supposed to happen for Jesus' burial, that the family were gonna go and mourn on Sunday, then seal the tomb. But the tomb was sealed on Saturday by Caesar with this legal seal, you cannot come in. This is the seal of Caesar. And so the women weren't talking about how do we get to Jesus' tomb because the stone was heavy. They were talking about how do we get to Jesus' tomb by law. What's the legality of this? How do we legally go to Jesus? You know, some scholars say that on the day that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that they gave authority, they took authority from God and they gave authority to humanity, to the devil. So some scholars would, would talk. It's this idea that we gave up authority. 
that we took ourselves from under the authority of God and uh, creation put itself under the authority of the enemy. And some people would talk about how the enemy has this authority. I do believe that there are spiritual powers that have authority and, and, and they have principalities, right? Paul talks about it, right? You know, uh, that there's these principalities and these, there's, 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 there's powers over us that exist in our world, right? There is this legal framework that the enemy has. You know, I'm glad because when the women get here, the stones rolled away. Someone busted the seal. Someone broke Caesar's stamp. You know, I'm glad that God doesn't play by human rules. <laughs> Man, right, you got these two angels here. It was probably them going, Caesar, who's this guy? Is he the, is he the guy that does that wicked salad, right? <laughs> Chicken salad, right? <laughs> is, is that the, oh, who knows? Let's get rid of that. Let's open it up. Jesus, it's time to come out, right? I'm glad that God doesn't play by human rules, right? But he is divine, Right, God is God and certainly doesn't answer to Caesar. Right, I want to say this to you this morning, that when we identify with the resurrected Jesus, anything else in our life that might have any authority is busted right open, right? God is in the God of breaking seals and stamps over your life. There might be a stamp of regret. I'm here to tell you that Jesus in his resurrection busts that stamp of regret. You might be here this morning with a seal of, uh, of, of, of past hurt and I just, can't get, I just can't get out of the tomb. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is in, is in the business of being resurrected and busting the stamp of the enemy of unforgiveness. That's what he does. That's why the resurrection is so powerful. I don't have to live under the influence of the enemy anymore. I can live in the freedom of Jesus. Isn't that good news today? And so two women arrive to an open tomb and the angel says this in Luke 24. says, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the son of man, Jesus, this is what Jesus said about himself, must be betrayed in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Jesus predicted his death. He predicted how he would die. He predicted who would betray him. He predicted the, the day that he would come back to life. And these angels say, don't you remember? He told you this. It's there in plain sight. Right? He's right there. Then it says this in verse 8. It says, then they remembered that he had said this. <laughs> they remembered. Right? Here's the thing. These two women came to make dead things smell nice trying to find a way into something that they had no legal right to enter. And in the end, they couldn't find what they were looking for. Why? Because they had forgotten. That's why. Why were they even bringing spices? Because they had forgotten. Why were they trying to go to the tomb? Because they had forgotten, right? Why were they talking about how do we get Because they had forgotten. Paul says this to the church in, in, in uh, Corinth. He says, if anyone is in Christ... Right? Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. Another translation says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Right? 
which means this, that though we still live with our flesh, right? Although we still live in this broken, fallen world, I don't identify anymore with my fallen nature. But I identify myself with Christ because Jesus is in the business of two R's, resurrection and redemption. We know what resurrection is. Resurrection is coming back to life, right? Being brought back to life. Jesus does that for you. Right? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he's in the business of what we call redemption. You know, the word redemption is a beautiful word. It's not actually a church word. Now, we use it in church a lot. Uh, but it was actually an ancient word used in the marketplace. Um, and what the word redemption meant was this. Um, it was kind of like if you went to like a flea market or some markets. You know how some people, they sell their old junk, right? And they put money on it. Then you go and buy it. <laughs> Someone's old junk becomes your treasure, right? Now that's kind of what redeem means. Redeem means to take something that was broken, fix it, and then it'd be a treasure. And so God is, Jesus is in the business of redeeming us, right? That we are a new creation, right? All those things in my life that are broken or that were broken, all those things in the past that have been shattered, maybe right now in the present, there's some brokenness in your life right now that is just breaking your heart, breaking your mind, breaking your focus, breaking your sleep, breaking your attention. You need to know that Jesus, not just then, but still now is a God of redemption. And he takes those things that are broken. And if we just say yes to Jesus, it's really simple. If we say yes to Jesus, he takes those broken things and he makes us new. He doesn't even use glue. He just says, broken pieces, new. It's all new, no cracks, right? It's beautiful, it's new. You're a new creation. Man, we've got to not forget that. Because let me tell you, when you can remember a resurrected and redeemed Jesus, if you can remember those things, then all the things that say that you aren't resurrected and redeemed, they have no voice, right? They'll have no voice. But the problem, I think, is that we have this, is that we have so many Christians especially, so many Christians who listen to the voices of the past and the present instead of the resurrected Christ, or we still have tombs in our heart and our minds and in our past that we haven't let Jesus break the seal and open and we've still got dead things on the inside. The two angels say, he's not here. Did you forget? He isn't here. He told you this. Man, we've had the scriptures now for thousands of years and God has been telling us all those things, right, that would keep you down, that would keep you dead. If you say yes to Jesus, they're gone. They're not here anymore, right? They're gone. They're not here anymore. And I want to say, you know, that there's going to be some people here today that when you walk out of here this morning, you know, there's going to be a moment where people are going to say, hey, didn't you have that drug problem? And you're going to go, yeah, I did. It's, it's just not here anymore. It's gone. It's gone. Hey, didn't you have that porn problem? Yeah, I did. But I met Jesus and I got into a connect group and now I'm with other people and, and, and we talk about it and it's just gone. It's not an issue anymore. Hey, didn't you have that anger problem? You know, didn't you have that stuff in your, in your household? You know, that all came out. Is that still happening? No, I met Jesus. 
and, and it's just not here anymore. It's all gone, right? It's all gone. Hey, didn't you have all those? Didn't you have all those problems, right? Didn't that person hurt you? Don't they owe you? Weren't you broken, hurt, anxious, sorry? Weren't you in regret? Yeah, I was, but I met Jesus, and it's just not here anymore. Come on, let's live that kind of life. Stop living in the tomb. Let's get out. Get out of the tomb. Man, tombs smell. They're dark. They're clammy. Get out in life. It's light. There's increase, right? Come on, let's be people that live following Jesus and walking with Jesus. Let's talk about walking for a second. Verse 14 says, As they walked along on the same day, this is all happening. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that, everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Today is the day. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you've been challenged to walk with Jesus. Today is the day to walk with Jesus. Maybe you've been a Christian for a really, 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 really long time. I want to tell you, today is the day to remind yourself again to walk with Jesus. Because when you walk with Jesus, you experience resurrection. These two guys weren't even at the tomb. They weren't at the tomb. And they experienced a resurrected Jesus. My hope and prayer is that us, all of us today, would experience a resurrected Jesus. Whether we're not a follower of Jesus, whether we're a new follower of Jesus, whether we've been following Jesus for a long, long time. I'm praying that today, that all of us here would walk out of here empty. That we would walk empty. Empty of all those things that break us, of all those things that keep us uh, heavy, of all those things that would keep us awake at night time, of all those things that would keep us down and out. I'm praying this morning that every single one of us would experience a resurrection in your hearts and in your minds. Amen? Right? Let me tell you this. It's a good thing to walk with Jesus. Today is the perfect day on Resurrection Sunday to be walking empty. Maybe you're here, maybe for the first time, you've heard that there's this Jesus that loves you, that has a desire to be a person of redemption and a person of resurrection, a person that wants to bring low things and make them high, to bring uh, regretful things and bring hope to bring dead things and bring life, dark things and bring light. You know, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you get resurrection. You get redemption. I want to ask you today, maybe you're here and maybe you have never done that before. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you come into my tomb today, Jesus? And would you take my hand and would you lead me out of the tomb? Would you lead me into the light? Would you lead me into life? I want to ask you today. It's the perfect day. It's the perfect day to say yes. It's the perfect day to say yes. 
to resurrection. If you're here and you're saying, you know what, Tim? Can you pray for me? I'd like to pray. I'd like to believe in Jesus and I'd like to confess that I believe in Jesus. I'd like to ask Jesus into my heart today. If that's you, for the first time, you haven't done this before, if you could just give me a quick wave right where you are just so I can pray for you so I know who I'm praying for. Anyone here today saying, Tim, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus today. Anyone here? This is the perfect day to walk empty. It's the perfect day to walk out of here empty. Anyone here? I want to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here today. Doesn't matter where you are in life. Uh, the heart is a closed thing, isn't it? We see each other physically. You know, we can watch for expressions, facial expressions, and we can see you, but the heart is a closed thing. Uh, only God sees the heart, only God sees what's in the mind. I think sometimes it's easy, regardless of where we are with our walk with Jesus, it's very easy to go back into that lonely place, to go back into that place where no one else sees, you know, the place where it's just you <laughs> and we hide from everyone. And those, those things in our heart and in our mind uh, that are heavy, I want to pray this morning and uh, we need a prayer team uh, as well if you're here to pray we're going to sing a song we're going to worship we're going to thank Jesus that he arose from the dead but if you're here this morning you said you know what there's some things in the tomb there's some things that no one else you know there's some things of that are stinky things that hurt that are dead and I just need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost if that's you here this morning as we worship I want to open up the front here we're going to have our team pray you know I'll be here for the next five minutes still before I have to go to Collingwood Park and uh, speak this again and uh, I want to pray Lord let there be a physical resurrection Sunday here for us amen come on let's stand this morning Spirit, I do pray, Lord, that uh, moving forward, that every single one of us, not one person, would walk out of here heavy today, Lord, or full of self, full of pride, full of hurt. I pray, Lord, that we would all walk out here empty today. Lord, your tomb, it's the great, your, your, your empty tomb is the greatest moment in history. And I pray that we would all experience it today in Jesus' name. Everyone said? for listening to this podcast.